Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Welcome back. You know, if you're like my family, every Christmas reminds you that you have stories that you've told a hundred times and you keep coming back to that same story and they never get old. One story in our family happened when Micah and Ashley were playing together with Playmobil. Micah was about six, Ashley was about four. They had Playmobil medieval set complete with a catapult. We also had a Playmobil nativity with baby Jesus that was out because it was Christmas time. Well, We had vaulted ceilings with plant shelves up high. Kids were playing in the other room and they needed something to catapult. So instead of plastic Playmobil boulder, Micah used baby Jesus. Perfect size. Now imagine baby Jesus in the catapult. And the next thing we hear is Ashley is not happy at all and she's letting Micah have it. So Beth and I came into the room to referee, find out what happens, and Ashley just says, Micah catapulted baby Jesus onto the plant shelf. Now for the Holland family, the story of catapulting baby Jesus is a seasonal favorite. It's so fun to tell and retell favorite stories, isn't it? Brings back nostalgic memories, a smile to your face and laughter to everybody who hears them. And every time you tell it, it feels like you're telling it for the very first time. Well, this is what I hope was gonna happen over the coming weeks as we dig in to tell and retell the story that's been told throughout history more than we can count. Families have been passing this story down through generations and generations. It's just one of the most known and most loved stories ever, and it's true. And every Christmas season, this story is told in so many different ways, isn't it? Our neighborhoods are going to tell the story through nativity scenes that are scattered with colorful light shows. Kids this season are going to watch the story being told through the cartoon characters like Linus, sharing it with his friend Charlie Brown. And parents are going to read the story out loud to their children before they tuck them into the bed. Every radio station from Christian Radio Top 40, even country stations, are going to be playing that music that tells this great story. Now, I'm guessing if you're watching right now, you already know this story. It doesn't matter if you grew up in church or if this is the very first Bible message you've ever heard. The Christmas story is one that we all have heard one way or another. And over the coming weeks, I pray that this story is going to bring back memories for you, but also be fresh and feel like it's the first time that you've heard it. Even though this story may be familiar, I pray we just don't miss the excitement of it, and I hope it'll leave you more in love and more in awe of the one who is behind the story. Now, the Christmas story unfolds in several different places, so over the coming weeks, I want you to pack your bags and travel with me as we spend some time in each one of these Christmas towns. We're going to explore and experience where the story of Jesus took place. And as we walk through these towns together, you'll see people who are just like you and me as they wrestle with doubts, fears, uncertainties, and yet God was still working in and through them. And who knows, you might just catch a glimpse of yourself and what God is doing in your life. The place our story begins is Hebron 
or at least Hebron is the place scholars believe the gospel writer was referring to whenever he shared these words. It's Luke chapter 1, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. At this time, Mary was just a young teen, probably no more than 14 years old. So when she got some news, and not just any news, it was drop to your knees news. What'd she do? Well, she fled to Hebron, the city of priests, as it was often referred to. And so the story begins. And we've all been on the receiving end of drop to your knees news. Sometimes it's good news, like you got that promotion at work you've been waiting for. Maybe it was when you checked the mail and you got that acceptance letter to the college of your dreams. Or maybe Publishers Clearinghouse showed up at your door with a big check. Now I'm still waiting on, I'm, I'm waiting on that one. Sometimes drop to your knees news can be bad news, a health diagnosis that doesn't look good. It's a phone call that tells you there's been an accident. Being called into your boss's office and being told the company's doing some layoffs, maybe downsizing, and your job has ended. And then there's a third category of drop to your knees news. News so big, so life-changing that you don't even know how to process it. You don't have a bucket or category to put it in. It just leaves you absolutely speechless. Now, I imagine this was the case for Mary. I want you to listen to the news that she received, and I'm going to back up a little bit to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, this third bucket is where we put news that's both good news and disturbing because you know that everything is about to change. To understand the gravity of this situation, you really have to put yourself in Mary's shoes or sandals. She's 14 years old. She's a teenager, middle school teenager. Imagine being a 14-year-old girl and receiving this news. That would make you drop to your knees. It would leave you speechless and full of emotions, confused, fearful, excited, anxious, maybe embarrassed. You fill in the blank. But even at a young age, God saw something in Mary. The angel said she was highly favored, this was a big deal because I've met a lot of 14-year-olds and I have, I've had teenagers, I've been a teenager, and I've watched parents get excited when, they, when, when their teenagers just make their beds without asking or shower more than twice a week. Mary, at 14 years old, was highly favored by God. Now, that certainly sounds like good news, but being told that you'll be pregnant at the age of 14 <laughs> sounds terrifying. I'm sure all of this was very confusing news for Mary. Confusing because she had never been with a man. Uh, yes, she had a fiance, but the two of them had not been together in a way that a couple has to be together to get this kind of result. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google it. Actually, on second thought, don't Google it. That's a bad idea. Don't. No. 
Do you see where fear and confusion would come in, though? Mary and Joseph were both God-fearing Jewish kids who knew the consequences that the law of Moses spelled out for fornication. These two did and would keep themselves pure until their wedding night. Now, for those who would wonder, Mary would never think about stepping out on her beloved fiancé. But here was this angel telling her that she was going to be pregnant. And this boggled Mary's mind. And I love her response. She just asked the question, how will this be since I am a virgin? And we can just acknowledge the fact that Mary's not the only one who's found this news hard to believe. You may read this and say, yeah, right. In fact, that's what Mary did. When the angel came to her, she didn't respond with, oh, cool. Oh, okay. Nope. She had questions. This was unbelievable. So this news went right into the third bucket. How will this be, Mary said. I think you get her reaction because when we read the Bible, we see stories that make sense. And then we read stories that if we're honest with ourselves, almost seem like fairy tales or even stories that just seem weird that we question their validity. And that's okay to read the Bible and think, how in the world? The beauty is we don't have to try to figure things out or explain it away. When God is up to something, he doesn't need it to make sense to us. He just needs us to trust him when we have doubts that creep in. So let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Well, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Now, Mary accepted what Gabriel told her, but did she believe it? I think she did, but she still had to have her fair share of doubt. Can you blame her? And just to be clear, it is possible to have faith and doubt that coexist. How do I know that? Because that, because that perfectly describes me. As I embrace God's call in my life, I often experience both belief and doubt. I secretly wonder, okay, but how? And sometimes in our doubts, we need someone or something to confirm the truth. And that is, that's why Mary set off for the hill country. But why Hebron? Why would going to Hebron help her with her doubts about what she had been told? It's because her cousin Elizabeth lived in Hebron which was the town in the hill country of Judea, the city of priests. And Elizabeth, who was quite a bit older than Mary, had spent her entire life in one of the worst conditions possible for a first century Middle Eastern woman. She had been barren her entire life. Had been is the operative phrase. So Mary went to Hebron for one reason. She needed tangible proof that nothing is impossible for God. Basically, her thought was, I'll just see for myself. God, in his infinite wisdom, knew it was going to be so helpful for Mary to know that he was doing impossible things other places too. For example, God has, he's called us to create a network of microchurches. Okay, but how? My response was to go back and look for tangible proof that it was possible for God to do this impossible thing. And I found others who have been doing it for decades. And God has blessed their work. It helps to see God working in other places, doesn't it? 
So Mary goes to Hebron, and as soon as Mary enters into Elizabeth's home, she yelled out a greeting, the Bible says, just like many of us do when a family shows up at the house. You know, the, hey, look who's here, so good to see you, give me a hug type of greeting. I have no idea what Mary said, uh, if she said any of those things. But she said it, and she got quite a reaction because in Luke chapter 1, verse 41, The story continues, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed, blessed is she who has believed that the that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Wow. It was at Hebron that Mary confirmed truth. If God could bring life from a barren woman, bringing life from a virgin would be no problem. To be reminded of this truth that nothing is impossible with God is one of the reasons we revisit and tell this story every year. But let's be real. We need to be reminded of that truth now more than ever before, right? You know, there's a lot of people who've just been beaten down pretty hard, and you may have lost a job. Dreams may have had to been put on hold. Maybe your kids are struggling in one way or another. Relationships splintered over who knows what. Maybe your loved ones are sick. Maybe you've had a hard time believing that life's ever going to be normal for you again, let alone good. If you allow yourself to spend some time in Hebron this week with a way too old pregnant woman, Elizabeth, and an absolutely pure, soon to be pregnant teen girl, Mary, you will begin to see the truth once again. God can birth something new in your life in this coming year. Is that a guarantee that he will? Nope. Sometimes God leaves us to wander in the wilderness a little bit longer than we might desire. But when the time is right, He often does the very thing we had decided was impossible. You know, it's one of the reasons I so love being a pastor. I have been privileged to have a front row seat to see couples who have been told that they would never have a child to bring home into their uh, their family. People who had lost their great love find new love. People who lost a high-paying job only to discover a new career path that tapped into their passions, kids who lost their way, who later come back home, come back to God. I'll never tire of seeing God do the impossible. And he does it all the time if we just pay attention. If I could encourage you to do one thing this week, it would be to share with your family some of the ways that God has done the impossible in your life, even if they have heard the stories a thousand times before. And when Mary was able to confirm this truth in Hebron, it also confirmed another truth for her. What the angel Gabriel had told her in verse 28, told her it was true. What did he tell her? The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. Highly favored, what in the world does that mean? It means that you're blessed, that you receive a benefit. It also has this idea of unfair preferential treatment, which sounds great. But why exactly she had been favored by God was probably a bit of a mystery, but she knew that she had been. And because she knew it, the Bible says she broke into this song. 
Luke chapter 1, verse 46, she said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now, can you imagine what it would be like to be favored by God like that? It must have felt incredible. Knowing that truth helped Mary to move forward in faith as she obeyed and followed God in whatever he had planned for her. Now, maybe you're thinking how nice it would be to be highly favored by God, or maybe maybe you've even been trying to figure out in your head right now the things you would have to do or stop doing to even be considered in the running of being highly favored by God. But I want you to know, I want you to understand something very important. The other place, the only other place in the entire New Testament that the word translated highly favored is used about somebody is in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. And do you want to know who that is? It's you. It's me. It's the person who puts their faith in Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 says, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. You see, Mary was highly favored to bring Christ into the world, and now we are a part of the family of God because we are highly favored by God because of what Jesus has done for us. God so favors you that he now trusts you to bring Christ into the world. Right there in your microchurch, just like God brought life from a virgin womb, life from nothing, he wants to bring life from you. God was working out his truth in more than one place at one time. That's what Mary figured out. He was working in Elizabeth, in Hebron, and in Mary, in Nazareth. He was working in both women, in both places, for the good of mankind. And today, he's working in you. Whether you're a college student, a single mom, a businesswoman, or a grandparent, it just doesn't matter. He's working in each and every one of us right now, right where we are, to confirm the truth Christ was born of a virgin into this world to reconcile all of humanity back to God. So just be obedient where you are. Be Christ in your family, in your work, and in your neighborhood. Now, as we spend some time in Hebron today, what's your next step? Maybe it's a promise of God that's hard for you to believe because of your current circumstances. Promises like Romans 8, 28, just says God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Or promises like Hebrews 13, 5, where God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Now, I don't know what promise of God is hard for you to believe today. And if you're letting doubt even get in the way, but, but know this, you can have that truth confirmed. Just like Mary went to Hebron, you can go, you can go to his word and you can seek him, you can go to a trusted friend, you can set up a time with a pastor. Just go, go to your past and be reminded of how God worked and showed up time and time again. Now, maybe you just need to believe in the truth that just like Mary, you are highly favored by God. You need to accept the fact that because of Jesus, because God became flesh on that Christmas morning 2,000 years ago, you 
and me are highly favored and loved by God when you accept him by faith. Listen, whatever your next step is, I pray that you and I can all be like Mary and just say this, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for what you did when you brought Jesus into this world. Thank you, Father, for what you did whenever you allowed him to die on the cross and when you raised him from the dead. And thank you, Father, that you cherish your people. Thank you for how you have saved us. And thank you, Father, for how you continue to work, not only in us, but through us. We give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.